You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunid, and today I have the honor of introducing a very special guest to the show, Palak Shah. She is a mechanical engineer turned CEO, and she has been training other CEOs for the last 17 years. And now she's working with real estate investors to create millions and millions of dollars in their real estate portfolios. She embraces diversity and engagement in local communities, but more so she empowers individuals to gain financial freedom. With no further ado, Pollock, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I really love uh, a hero's uh, journey. So tell us about, you know, from mechanical engineer to real estate, how did that take a place? Um, Yeah, I was a mechanical engineer. I worked as an engineer for 17 years. I have a master's degree and I was climbing the corporate ladder. And, you know, I worked really hard to become a subject matter expert. I wanted to be respected in the industry. And my job was to travel the world and I would work with CEOs of different factories on how to improve their bottom line. And it was great. I worked with smart people. I was always, you know, adding value. It was a great position. I got to travel a lot. And it was great until my husband and I decided to have kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, we decided to have kids. I was in my late 30s. I waited because I thought that that was the right thing to do. Because they always say like, get financially stable first, to build a career first, you know, have financial stability. And then I had kids. And I realized that you know, all of this goodwill that you build, it really doesn't help because you're still working at a job. And I rarely got to see my kids. I would leave Mm -hmm. the house while they were still sleeping. And then I would come home just in time to put them to bed. And that was even when I was in town. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in town half the time, right? And then, you know, anytime... We had two kids back to back and anytime somebody was sick, it was always like, who's going to take one for the team? You know, my husband and I would always <laughs> be discussing that. So I decided, I really felt strongly that I wanted to spend time with them because I thought I waited so long to have right. kids. I want to enjoy them. And I asked my work for flexibility and that was immediately denied. Um <laughs> Engineering is a very conservative, male-dominated industry. Most men I worked with had stay-at-home wives who handled everything. So it was just not a very pleasant (laughs) request. So then I told my husband I was going to quit my job and start building a real estate portfolio. Mm -hmm. So I started building a portfolio and I grew really fast. So people started asking me, how did you do it so fast? And... Then I started helping other people do it. And that was the birth of Open Spaces Women. So we coach other women who are trying to escape the corporate grind to have the flexibility and build generational wealth for their family on how to do that. Because we mm. we make good incomes. You know, if you really put effort into building a career, you make good income, but you don't build wealth and you don't have the freedom. Right. It's um, you're trading time for money at that point. It's a you're dollar to hour. For money. Yes. And it's like when you focus on a career, it's like a 
pie eating contest where the reward at the end of the contest is just more pie because the more work you do, the higher up you go, the less time you have. You just get more and more work as the higher up you move in the ladder. Yeah. So it's, it gets even worse with time. Yeah, I, I can totally understand where you're coming from. And a lot of women, too, because just like you, I waited to have kids towards the end of my like mid 30s, late 30s. Mm-hmm. And it was for the same reason that I'm sure your parents instilled in you um, go to work, go to school, get education, go to work. And yes. then you that's the American dream. But you've decided yes. you wanted something different and same here. And the freedom that you're teaching everyone is what I wanted to do before having kids. I wanted to own my own business before having kids smart. because, yeah. yeah, because you want that, um, you want to be present. Yes, 100%. Present with the kids, uh, present and be able to control your destiny. And so that's what you've been able to do. So tell us a little bit more about how you've been able to grow so fast. What kind of skill sets were transferred? So being an engineer, I was heavily focused on systems and processes. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was there's a niche strategy that we focus on, which is known as the Burr strategy. So you buy a distressed property, you renovate it. And when you renovate it, you force it to appreciate. So you create the down payment. Mm -hmm. For example, if you compare it to a flip, the profit that somebody makes on a flip, we use that as a down payment. So I take that property to a lender, get it refinanced, pay myself back. And you know, originally, if I borrowed money from a lender, I would pay them back. Mm-hmm. I'd still keep the property and then collect the cash flow and then take advantage of debt pay down, appreciation, taxes, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And you um, so that's, found that's, a system, found a system yeah, to so, kind of rent and repeat. Right. So we found that strategy where we could start with a finite amount of money because now we were a single income family. So we, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't the same way I was making six figures before, but all that went away when I quit my job. So we started with a finite amount of money and then, you know, anybody can do it. Start with around 25K, borrowed the rest, and then you can turn it into a multi million dollar portfolio. But the issue with this strategy is. It's very involved. You have to, you know, the way my peers do it is they're at the job site all the time. They're door knocking, trying to talk to distressed sell, you know, property s- sellers. And I didn't want to do it that way because that would just mean I would create another job for myself. Right. So the reason I'd worked so hard was to, <laughs> to be around my kids. So I had made myself a promise since the very beginning. I said, okay, if this doesn't work around my lifestyle that I'm after, this is not the right business for me. So started building it and started putting systems and processes in place. A lot of my peers run it like mom and pop investors where they, you know, they they do one thing at a time. They do everything on their own. Instead of that, we started putting automations. We started putting systems mm-hmm. in place. We started building amazing teams that could help us grow fast. And so that really helped with the scalability. And that's how what it's been five, six years now. And, you know, our portfolio is worth 10 million. My husband was able to quit his job two years ago and join us. So it's been pretty amazing. That's awesome. How big is your team? So right now we have a team of eight in our construction crew. And then we have a team of three people helping us manage properties. And then there's always different contractors that we use for, you know, say photography or social media, all of that. So different freelancers that we work with. Yeah, that's amazing. And I want to tie up into 
your training ability, right? For 17 years, you train, um, you're essentially an executive um, coach, right? You're training the CEOs. And so let's talk about the importance of effective training to actually have such a small but mighty team right now for you. Oh, yeah, that's a really great point. I think that the big thing for anyone who's trying to build a great team is to realize that there there's going to be two types of team members. There's going to be one team member who who is highly paid and they're going to be the ones who will completely handle whatever is assigned to them. They're the mm-hmm. expert in that. So for example, my construction team has a general contractor that leads the team. And I know that once we decide on the project plan and once we decide a template for what we want to do, he can rinse and repeat it and handle it. And he can handle the issues that might come up. He can handle any emergencies that might come up. When people don't show up, he, he you know, he show up, he's able to go and find other people to replace them. He he can handle that. Mm-hmm. So that's one type of team member. And then there is another type of team member where you're gonna have to work closely with them. They're gonna not be that highly paid. They're gonna be able to take on tasks uh, depending on your instructions and you're going to have to be involved with them. So Mm -hmm. I think understanding the importance of these two really allowed me to figure out, okay, if I am willing to pay a higher salary for someone, then or commission, however you're paying them, Mm -hmm. then that's going to mean that I'm earning my time back, right? Because they're going to handle the whole process. And so... At that point, training that person becomes more like a joint partnership effort as opposed to them working for you as an employee. And that really works well for me. I think that's the best way to scale a business as a solopreneur because you can only be in one place at one time. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, that's I totally agree because you had to start small and start somewhere. And a lot of small businesses, entrepreneurs, they really can only afford the lower pay individual, which require more handholding, essentially. But uh, that training, you can, um, it's it's a necessity for growth. Like you have to start there. And And you can always start there and up level as you scale, right? You can always start you know, doing it all yourself, but you can always figure out, all right, I'm ready to let this go. And sure, it's going to reduce the profitability, but it's going to improve the scalability. So overall, you're going to end up making more money. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. How do you relinquish the the power, especially when it's like, oh, it's it's my baby, right? And I don't want to kind of give up the the power let people do it if they're gonna do it at 80 70 percent i can do it at 100 percent but it's not Mm. an effective way of going about it because you cannot multiply yourself you should really focus on working on the business versus in the business um absolutely so how do you relinquish that power so i'm an engineer we're inherently uh, very hands-on i like to do everything myself if i was left alone to my own devices. So this was a huge mindset shift for me. And I think the you have to understand what your outsourcing method is. And for me, I figured out that I really like to try everything once on my own Mm -hmm. and develop a process and then outsource it. And then I know what kind of person would be great at following the process and what kind of person would be great at uh, doing it maybe even better than me. Mm -hmm. Others, on the other hand, for example, my husband, who's my business partner, he has a completely different personality than me. And when he thinks about outsourcing, he says, 
why would I figure it out on my own if I'm going to have somebody else do it anyway? And that makes right. sense, right? That, that's how his brain works. And I'm like, yeah, that actually makes sense, but that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So, so I think you have to really understand your own personality. And then for me to be able to relinquish the control, what really helped was start, I started doing a time versus money analysis. Mm-hmm. And you know, for two straight weeks at one point, I was keeping track of what I was doing, how much time I was spending on it. And I realized that there were certain tasks that someone else could easily do. And they were not fulfilling to me. They were not growth related. They were not fun. They were not challenging. So why was I doing them? And that's what really helped me relinquish that control. So if you're like me, if you know, if mm-hmm. you're whoever is listening to this, if, if you're listeners, if some of them are like me, where you really like to figure it out yourself. You know you can do it really well. Keep track of how you're spending your time for two weeks. And it's a lot of... It's work, right? Mm-hmm. It's very annoying to write down everything right. you're doing. But it is so worth it. Because at the end of the day, you realize that, hey, that was a $10 an hour job. And that was a $100 an hour job. And that was a $1,000 an hour job. And my yeah. my role as the CEO is to figure out how to do those high impact tasks in the business and outsource the rest. That's a great analysis. I would encourage everyone to do it. And I, I myself have done one. I enjoy delegating. It's either you automate it, you delegate it, just so you can free yourself to run Absolutely. the vision. The vision. Um, let's talk about how important that um, buy-in is. I'm talking about vision. How do you instill the vision in the people that comes on board? Well, even teach your clients to do the same because they have to even, building a portfolio requires a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... The thing with vision is something that was lost on me for many years. I would, you know, when I was in corporate, they would send me to these corporate trainings where, you know, because I led teams and I led departments. So they would send me to these trainings and they would talk about how these visionary leaders would take their team up. There was this one training where they were talking about the CEO who would like led his team up on a mountain. He showed them the view and he like gave them the story of what his vision was for the company. I'm sitting there thinking, why would anyone want to follow someone unless there was a financial incentive? And when I came in business, I realized that it can be both. When you're a business owner, you can create so many win-wins and have people buy into that vision in a way that is not only beneficial from you know from just you know being a part of a movement but also beneficial to them money wise yeah. and that's how i think that the marriage of those two things works beautifully and so our vision in terms of our rentals is we really want to balance social impact and profitability and so when we when we bring in team members we make sure that we prioritize diversity and we prioritize we make sure that everybody gets paid well in the crew. And so when you start talking about it with the team, it really creates a culture within the company that that everyone is now on board with. Mm-hmm. And it's, as I said, it's not just about the abstract vision. It's also a true win-win profitability-wise where you know you care about how much they're making and you care about you know whether they are able to feed their families. On the coaching side, again, our vision is to be be a movement where historically real estate investing has been very specific to a single group of people, but Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we are the safe space where women and minorities can come in and know that they have the resources to be successful. And, 
and we provide them with those resources. And so it again, there is a marriage between having that beautiful vision and making everybody successful profitability-wise as well. I really agree with what you're saying and marrying the two. It doesn't just have to be monetary because when you said that, in terms of the vision, I thought of um, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, mm, right? Absolutely. Knowing knowing what motivates the individual, but it just cannot be money alone. Money alone will only get you so far, right? right. Just keep pumping and give, paying somebody more and more. If the buy-in is not intrinsic, where they see the value in the social impact you're making and the, the need for diversity, then they, mm-hmm. it will be short-lived. That relationship will be short-lived. And I think a lot of CEOs need to bear that in mind. Get buy-in, but marry the two. It's not just um, money, but also, right. um, how, is that person a good, a good fit for the organization? Right. End of the day, we all want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And if there is a leader who's showing the way and helping you do that through your work, I mean, th- there's nothing better than that. Yeah, it's a sweet spot. It really is. Uh, it's yeah. like, that's where magic happens. Uh, yes. <laughs> tell us about your your habits and principles, you know, because as a successful entrepreneur with, you know, a portfolio of over 10 mil, um, a great team of what, eight people, how do you get up, dress up and show up to lead all that? So, yeah, I was thinking about this and, you know, all, all this has evolved over the years and... We're heavily focused on growing. We we have a few different businesses and we're really focused on growing them. Uh, But we also have small children. So what I have found is really a balance between high performance and growth focused uh, business. And at the same time, providing a very peaceful and cozy and calm environment for the kids. And you know, for the longest time, I bought into this philosophy of all the high performers waking up at 4, 5 a.m. and working out and doing all these things before their kids woke up. And you know, <laughs> I was one of them and I tried to do that. And I found that what I really want to do and what my kids love and the memories I want to leave them with is when they w- wake up, they crawl into bed with me and we snuggle for a bit. And they're still little. They're six and eight. And pretty soon mm-hmm. they're not going to want to do yeah. that, right? And that's the environment I want to create for them where their memories are peaceful instead of being chaotic, where I'm trying to get this workout in while I'm trying to get them dressed. And so that really works for me right now and providing them that stability. And then they get dropped off at the school bus. And then we leave an hour to ourselves before any meeting start. And then that hour is for us to either my husband and I will get a walk in if the weather's good, where we're strategizing the day and you know walking, or if we're indoors, then we'll we have a giant whiteboard that we roll. It's on wheels that we roll around different mm-hmm. areas of the house, and we'll strategize. We start from the top, like what's our strategy, what's our goal, and then move down to what should we work on today. And that's kind of how we start the day, and we leave an hour for that after the kids go off to school before we start jumping in and actually executing. So that's yeah. really worked well for me. And I think it's taken me a while. I'm I'm not going to uh, say that I kind of figured it out from the get-go. It's taken me a while to really find that balance between still growth and high performance, but at the same time, providing this environment that's calm and peaceful for the kids that leave them with beautiful memories of 
snuggling in bed with mom in the morning. Because <laughs> they're part of the vision, right? They're part of the they're dream. They're part of the vision. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. They're the reason why you pivoted um, when you did. So to give them that, you give them priority, to give them that comfort, to give them that energy and space and just that that um, environment of, of growth and calmness. So I, I love that aspect that they're included in, in, in your morning routine. And I'm, I'm always curious to see um, what other things that you partake in, in terms of like a meditation, in terms of you mentioned going for a walk and um, what are you reading, you know, currently? So share a little bit. Yeah, sure. So right now I'm reading Ready, Fire, Aim. Yeah. It's a book I just, I think I'm, halfway through i just started it i was uh, on a trip to a mastermind and that's the best time to pick up a book and i'm usually halfway through by the t- by the time i'm done with the traveling so ready fire aim it's a great book that's the book i'm reading right now there are a couple of really good books that i like that i pick up again and again one is um, think and grow rich yeah and uh the second one is the million dollar one person business and that really helped me kind of understand that just because I'm a solopreneur does not mean I can cross seven figures in revenue. And I I read that very often because it really refocuses my attention to running a lean business. In terms of activities during the day that allow me to have that centered perspective, I think starting the day off with, you know, that, that strategic meeting with my husband really helps set the tone for the day. Around two, three o'clock, we actually have someone who comes to our house. We make a meal plan and she makes the food for the next 24 hours until she arrives again. So when while she's cooking, that is the time when I take that time to myself and I work on journaling on how the day went, what were the learnings, how I want, how I want to do things differently moving forward. So that's kind of my time to get centered. And I wouldn't call it meditation. Uh, but it is a very centering activity, I think. Yeah, it centers you, but it grounds you, keep you focused as well. Um, when yes. the mentally get, when you get mentally flustered, um, I do like the idea of getting um someone in to help with the errands and cooking and and cleaning. How's that for a CEO? How important? How monumental is that in freeing up your time? Oh my God, it has been absolutely life changing. The mm. amount of money I'm going to tell you. We, I am, we're not about, we, we love building assets and wealth, but I'm not about material possessions. I could care less about expensive cars or handbags or diamonds. Like I, I don't care about any of that. I love building assets and I, lo- I love the game of making money. The amount of money that I have spent each year on outsourcing activities that I don't enjoy doing and that really help maintain that calm environment that I was telling you about while we are high performance. I think <laughs> I could buy an expensive car every year with that much money that I spend. So it's about priorities. And yeah. you know what what we did was with our uh the person who comes and helps us, uh she's a grandmother. She's not a professional chef. She was a caterer a long time ago, but she's a grandmother and she really enjoys cooking for people. And so it's a fulfilling relationship both ways. And she comes and we decide the menu for everybody who's going to eat what. I'm vegetarian. My husband eats meat. My kids are carb heavy (laughs) (laughs) as kids are, right? So there's a lot of different moving parts. So it really helps us uh, keep everything in control. 
you know, the big thing is it's taken the constant decision making out of the equation mm. because there's so much decision fatigue. Otherwise, at the end of the day, who's yeah. going to eat what at what time? Yeah. Um, do we have this thing that we need for that specific recipe that we're making? There's constant decision making. And it's taken that out of the equation completely because I sit down once and, you know, we figure it out with her once and then she handles it and then she's done. <laughs> Yeah, music to my ears because my husband and I are seriously <laughs> considering it. We just we have a twelve week old um, daughter, and so oh my God, we, uh, congrats! <laughs> thank you. Well, you look amazing for having a twelve week old. You daughter. know, I, I control all this. <laughs> you know, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's congrats. the mindset you have. That's thank so you. So amazing. Yeah, and so we are now thinking about getting a nanny because finding daycare at this age is is like super hard. So now we're like, well, let's just get a nanny that's going to actually help around the house with other things because we both are running businesses. And music to my ears because we are definitely considering because it does save time um, energy again freeing us up to work on the important things again back to that vision working on the business. Absolutely, and not all of us have that village that people talk about right they say it's yeah. a village to raise children i don't have that village we have really good friends we have yes. a very good community but i don't have a village where they can drop everything and help That's me on a right. day-to-day basis right? right we we have dear friends and a very supportive community but i can't rely on them on a daily basis so if people like us who you know if you don't have a village i think it's 100% acceptable to build that village and even if it's just because we're paying someone doesn't mean they don't love our kids, mm. right? They are the person who comes and cooks for us every day. She genuinely loves our family and we love her. And just because it's a paid relationship doesn't mean it can't be that Amicable. village that we're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have a village here either. And that's why we're looking forward. We're looking towards it. And I just think it'll make running businesses a lot easier. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend TaskRabbit if you haven't okay. looked at it. Yeah, and the online communities. Um, that's that's how we find people sometimes. Online Facebook groups of the yeah. local area. That's where people post when they're looking for work. Perfect. Thank you for sharing. I, you talked about your business. Any other insights you want to share with um, open space women? What some advice you want to give anyone listening and looking to venture into the real estate realm? So I think the big misconception that I had when I first got started in real estate investing is I thought it was all about flipping. And, you know, that's kind of the HGTV stuff that we see all the time. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was all about that. Or the other extreme, I thought it was for people who were millionaires. Mm -hmm. And there is a way in between. And where you start with a finite amount of money and you figure out how to build assets. And it may be slow or fast, depending on what you're into. But my advice to anyone would be, no matter how much money we're making in our active businesses, always make sure you're building wealth and assets. Because our active businesses will stop generating income the day we work or stop working on them. Mm-hmm. So focus on putting some money aside, investing a little bit and creating some form of passive income and build wealth. Word from the wise. Paula, thank you so much for coming. Tell us, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you? The best way to reach me is on Instagram at Open Spaces Women. And you can DM me, comment. We've got a team that can help you with any real estate questions you might have. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure having you on today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It was so great. Awesome. All right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. 
If you love the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.